This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, guys? Hope everyone is doing well. Hopefully taking advantage of this beautiful weather to knock out some honeydew home improvement tasks. That way you have plenty of ammo come waterfowl season when you need to break away for a bit. Today we are joined from across the pond by our good friend Christian Lilly, owner and operator of Aberdeen Wild Wings in Northeast Scotland. Christian, how you doing over there, man? How's it going, guys? Yeah, uh, really good, bud. Just uh, enjoying my time here over in Scotland and uh, just try to stay positive, looking forward to the season ahead. Absolutely. Now, I know you're you're normally chasing Robux this time of year, but I know that, uh, you know, that all kind of got screwed up due to COVID-19. Um, so what have you been doing, like, to, to spend your time? I know, like, this time of year, a lot of guys over here laying groundwork for the upcoming season, such as, you know, taking a farmer to lunch, maybe knocking on doors, introducing themselves to new landowners, working on locking down leases, picking up new leases. Are you guys doing the same sort of thing over there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a funny one. I mean, we would literally be doing the same kind of thing, and we spend a lot of time, um, obviously, trying to get on to new 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 properties and you know establish good relationships with the farmers in the area. Um, and it's um, it's been a strange thing for us. Obviously, we're limited to you know who we can you know see and who we can spend time with um, you know o- over here. So we've been just trying to make the right plans to you know, speak to some of these new farmers that, you know, we, we want to try and lease their properties. And um, it's it's been kind of, I'd say, a, a slow and steady one where we, you know, had to make sure that it's been okay for us to go around and visit some of these guys and, uh, you know, from there, make the plans to see what we can do when it's okay to get out. Because obviously over here, we, you know, we spend a lot of time hunting at night um, over uh, ponds and splashes, which is basically sheet water. So, you know, with a lot of these new places, we we want to get the groundwork in early and start putting in blinds or, you know, figure out what we're going to do with regards to, you know, feeding them and, you know, working out, you know, routines and all that kind of stuff there. So it's it's taken a little bit longer than normal just because we've been quite limited to, you know, been out to just go and knock on doors like we normally would and it's uh, it's it's definitely been a it's taken longer but we've we've been we've been getting there yeah you know this year definitely creates a little different dynamic because you just don't know the vibe for who you're going to talk to if they are somebody new when it when it concerns the you know the the covid stuff so it's kind of like this time of year somebody knocks on your door and it's like wait you know i don't yes i don't know this guy you know it's, it's just yeah, a little different exactly. it's not not quite as normal as <laughs> And go, hey, yeah. you know, introduce yourself and shake their hand. It's like, <laughs> whoa, you know, let me first of all take a couple steps back, you know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, it's um, you know, it's it's definitely made for an interesting situation. I've had guys on our Facebook group. They're like, hey, you know, this is the time of year that I'm usually going around asking permission, trying to, um, you know, look at spots that that could possibly be um, good waterfowl producing spots. Come. Uh, the fall, but how do I go about doing that this year? Because it's just so much different than it is in the past. So I, you know, I definitely understand that. Now, before we get into 
too much detail on hunting waterfowl over in Scotland. I want to talk a little bit about your background. Can you tell us how you got into waterfowl hunting? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I've been brought up in a, a hunt, hunting family for you know pretty much all my life. And uh, basically, um, my dad has been big into you know field trials um, over here in Scotland. It's, it's obviously a big deal, um, you know, with uh, with gun dogs, uh, as you guys know, with you know British labs and so on. So um, he was very much big into gun dog training, <clears throat> and we'd spend a ton of time, you know, out training the dogs, hunting rabbits, obviously upland, which over in Scotland we call it a rough shooting, walked up, which is you know pheasants, partridge, woodcock, snipe, all that kind of stuff. And you know, I was, you know, I've been very lucky that I've hunted, you know. For, for years probably I started when I was I don't know maybe four or five years old just the u- usual kind of stuff that you do you know out with a the 2-2 rifle and you know I guess you know going out and you know following my dad around and getting to learn the ropes you know all those kind of things but I mean it probably wasn't till I was about 10 years old that I was properly allowed to you know go out and hunt with the uh, you know, my dad and all his buddies and, uh, you know, hunt over the dogs. And uh, we obviously spent plenty of time, you know, obviously hunting, uh, you know, all the upland birds. But then it would have been, you know, that age that I just had a thing for, you know, for, for hunting ducks. And uh, I think I must have shot my first duck, um, probably creeping up to a pond and, you know, just jumping them off. Um, would have been the first time you know ever doing that but kind of going on from there where we live in Aberdeen obviously that we have you know a massive migration of, of geese and just about the same time every year end of September you know we, we get the massive waves of, of pink feet coming from Iceland and Greenland and every time this would come around I mean it was just like a fascination I had um, you know f- for for geese and like I said, you know, my dad wasn't really into, you know, waterfall hunting. I would say back then it was it was always everything we did was you know training for the for the gun dogs. But um, it was one of those things that I just was I just was crazy for. And uh, he actually uh, you know booked uh, a hunt for just him and I when would have been on my you know when I was I was twelve, and uh, that was the first time that I went out and went on a goose hunt and pretty much ever since then, you know, I was absolutely hooked. Wow. That's awesome, man. I don't, I don't imagine many guys growing up in the UK are exposed to waterfowl hunting. So it's awesome. Not only you got that opportunity with your dad, but you decided to turn that passion into a highly successful career. Now, what made you decide to start offering guided hunts in Scotland? Um, probably a number of things to be honest um over here obviously it's 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 very different in that kind of probably the most popular form of hunting is is again it's it's pheasant hunting it's it's upland hunting and we have a we do driven hunting in a big way over here which is like i think you guys call it tower you know tower hunts over there so you know pheasant hunting where you're you're shooting big bags of like 200 upwards you know for the day um over here for ducks and geese, it would be one of those things that it was kind of like a bit more niche. It was a bit more special. And I think from my side that obviously 
the guide that we've you know we used i mean we went back to him for you know for years you it was kind of like back then if you if you wanted to get into you know goose hunting you you got a number from a guy and he knew a guy who knew a guy and right. got a number from him kind of deal you know it wasn't like now where you know social media you know the internet you know you've got all the evidence there of you know of who you might want to go and hunt with when you're able to check all the photos all the videos the youtube right. you know all this stuff and you kind of followed it through with a phone call and obviously we got lucky and we had some of the best hunts i mean for, for me back then and uh you know we we hunted with him for years but i think what happened over time is that i would say that uh, one of those things these i guess it happens where maybe the guy that we were going with he was kind of starting to lose interest and I guess greed was kind of taken over and we started to have bad experiences. And I think from that kind of side, it kind of left like a sour taste in my mouth that over time, I would say that you, you know, that it was, it was pretty sad to see that other people were getting similar experiences. I'm not saying it was everywhere, obviously, but you know, in certain areas. And I guess from my point of view where it's something that, I love doing and Scotland is so well known for, you know, golf from, you know, fishing as well, obviously, you know, the whole tourism deal with, you know, distilleries and castles, all those really, you know, great things of Scotland. But from my point of view that, you know, I was like, our waterfall hunting we have over here is, is like a, it's a hidden gem, you know? Um, And I used to be in the hotel industry myself. So, it's been something that has allowed me to like combine a lot of my, you know, passions for, you know, looking after people and, you know, showing them a good time, but just doing that with what I love. So I've been able to, you know, combine the two. And I guess this is where, you know, Aberdeen Wild Wings was born. <laughs> awesome. Now I would agree. Waterfowl hunting in Scotland is absolutely a hidden gem. I don't think if it was for social media, you know, hardly any, anybody over here, would know about it and now everybody's just completely fascinated with yeah. it now what what year was it that you uh first started running clients over there uh i think it was back in 2014 um okay. it, it seems seems so long ago now and uh but that's pretty much when i started doing it full time um gotcha now i'm sure it's hard to say exactly without harvest information data and stamp sales like we have over here but if you were throwing out a rough estimate how many waterfowl hunters do you think there are in scotland oh wow um i I honestly that's a hard question i was just kind of curious it's just it's you know just kind of with you being out and driving around and and laying the groundwork that you do in scouting i was just curious like you know, do, do you see a lot of people or are there other people out there doing what you do? Like, are there people in Scotland, you know, uh, freelancing? I mean, what I'm just trying to get a feel for, uh, I guess, the amount of pressure that you have over there. Yeah, sure. No, I would say, I mean, it seems like nothing to me. I mean, I would honestly say across the whole of Scotland, there can't be more than like, I don't know, 10,000, 10, you know, realistically that would take it seriously that, you know, guys right. that either – they go out because obviously over here we have we're really limited we don't have the same um you know public land like you guys do over there the, the public land that we would have would be um on the which is like 
the foreshore, which is basically like, um, you know, kind of like sea duck hunting, if you like, co- coastal hunting. Right. And that's one of the few places where it is essentially public land. You can go and hunt. There are clubs there. You know, it's it's essentially free to go hunt, you know, some of these places. But the, I guess the difference being that there aren't, you know, we don't have the same pressure where I guess, you know, Aberdeen is obviously one of our areas, you know, a top area for hunting geese where we still have other guide services that, you know, operate within the area. Um, but, you know, from experience, from, you know, being over in the States, I would say that, yeah, we've certainly got, there's the hunting pressure. There's a competition against other guides, but the number isn't quite the same as if it was like, you know, over in, you know, Canada and the, and the States. Um, but you've, you've still got other guys that, you know, you uh, are, I guess, competing with them for, you know, for clients. So, the areas that we're hunting, you know, we spent, you know, we've spent years, some of them we've hunted all our lives. And, you know, I guess the farms have, we've, we've kept them, you know, on our, you know, on our lists for years, other places. Once I've started doing this full time, I've literally gone out, I've kind of made my base where I am here, where obviously where you guys have visited and I've just grown it from there so that we work so hard, you know, like, like we talked about earlier this time of year to go out and, you know, get more ground and, you know, I would say it, it can be kind of cutthroat in a way that I guess there's other areas that, you, you know, we want to take and, right. um, you know, you're you're doing your best. End of the day, you want to deliver the best, you know, for your clients. So, right. you know, I, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that we have the best ground that when guys are coming over, you know, we, we scout so hard and, you know, you've seen what it's like. It's, you know, always on the road. And I want to make sure that, you know, the next day we've got things lined up, that we've got, you know, solid feeds ready for the guys. So, I mean, we're lucky in a sense, there's maybe not, you know, the same hunting pressure of, you know, guys out freelancing and stuff. Um, You know, it might be occasional people, you know, weekend warriors, guys out on a Saturday, you know, hunting, but usually people that are hunting Monday to Friday, it's, it's going to be a guide out with clients and, you know, we probably have, I guess, like what four guides in our area um, that might be, uh, you know, running some, you know, I guess running clients too. But it's it's never at a point where you know you're you're going to be too close to other people and you're you're hearing barrages, you know, a few fields over kind of deal. It's uh, they might be like 10, 15 minutes drive away from you. Do you have a good relationship with the other outfitters working in your area? Yeah, I mean, we've, I say that we kind of like definitely done our bit to try and, you know, cooperate where we can. And there, obviously, there's some troublesome guides, I guess you get that everywhere. But, you know, it's, it's better for us to kind of try and work together, um, you know, so that we can, I I guess, keep people out of some of the areas that, uh, you know, we want to keep for ourselves, because, you know, we do get guides from, other countries that have come over and they've been established here for you know for years italian guides and so on so kind of for us to be here and you know i guess working with you know each other and you know at least being able to respect each other enough that if we know you know there's a certain area where another guide he he's obviously operating and you know if we can i guess draw the draw a line in the sand from there and said well if that's going to be your territory this is going to be our territory you know let's let's try and keep to the right sides and try and make it as amicable as possible right no i think i think that's definitely the best route outfitters and god services that can work together 
and um, you know, not try to undercut one another. It, it's definitely the way to go, 100% over here. Um, you know, it's tough on other situations that, you know, people get upset with one another because naturally you're just trying to do what's best for your clients. But if you can find a way to work together, like you said, it's it's definitely the best method. Now, I want to talk about the bread and butter of waterfowl hunting in Scotland, and that's the pink-footed geese. The <laughs> numbers of pinks, they're, they're at an all-time high thanks to conservation work, both in the UK and the breeding grounds of Greenland and Iceland. Christian, for those that may not know much about pinks and their behaviors, habits, size, sounds. Can you tell us a little bit about them and what makes them unique? Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, we're obviously so lucky in the sense that we are probably one of the best places, you know, in the world to, you know, to hunt pinks. Um, obviously, they, you know, it's a migratory bird. They're, you know, they're coming from Iceland and Greenland, you know, every year, uh, usually around, you know, end of, kind of end of September, um they're arriving and then they'll be every year they stay longer and longer kind of almost into march april unfortunately we can only hunt them through to uh the the end of january the 31st of january and i mean the numbers every year um we we speak to guys obviously you know over in iceland and stuff and um and just try and get an idea of you know how hatches are looking and, and things like that and i would say that you know, every year that we're lucky that the numbers just seem to keep going up. I mean, because of the, I say the lack of kind of hunting, um, you know, over here, it it just means that I guess the pockets of birds that where they do arrive in the UK, obviously Aberdeen is one of the, you know, top places, you know, for massive numbers. And uh, I mean, it just every year, I mean, I'd say the numbers just seem to grow, um, you know, and, you know, with that, I think even other places, obviously down in England and other, uh, you know, places in Scotland, too, that from speaking to other guys that everyone's, you know, numbers uh, each year on their on the roosts because they, they, they tend to roost on obviously massive big lochs. So lake, lakes, that's our what we call them. And I would say that, you know, again, when you start looking at all the bird counts and reports, sometimes they're not always as accurate you know, as I think the way that you guys do reporting and stuff over there, but when you start to speak to the right people and you, we can see ourselves, obviously, when we're out scouting that, you know, the numbers you are like, wow, you know, that you, I keep a, you know, a diary of, you know, God from that goes back for years that obviously, you know, in terms of the migration and bird numbers that, you know, in all the fields where we hunt, what we shot that day. And I can safely say that, you know, the numbers, they just keep going up and up because, you know, even though that we have no limits as such on birds over here, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, guys are going out and obviously shooting the piss out of them all the time. Um, and because there's obviously not the same hunting pressure that the birds, they, they genuinely do have such a good chance of, you know, of survival that when they're going back to Iceland and Greenland, you know, and, and having even if it's an average hatch, you know, the numbers are still still insane because, when they do leave Iceland, usually it's because there's been like nasty weather over there. It, it can get pretty, pretty shitty. And, you know, um, I guess with that, that, you know, they have a mass, you know, migration over here. So it's not like they get hunted a ton over in Iceland, um, you know, bef before they leave. Because um, in, in Iceland, they, they tend to hunt, you know, they, they do have good hunting over there, but it tends to be grey lags. So 
most of those birds are obviously leaving leaving you know Iceland, Greenland, coming to us, coming to different parts of England. And you know, we do notice as well that the bird patterns will get more birds from coming up from the south of England, uh, also from the north. And I think because the numbers keep going up each year that we learn of different areas in the UK that didn't essentially, they didn't necessarily have birds before, but now they do, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely, man. You know, in my extremely limited experience with pinks, you can't help but compare them to speckle bellies, you know, it, you know, based on the size and that, that kind of that little yodel they make, you know, it's not exactly like a speck, but you know, other than their, their pink feet and their beak, you know, I tell everyone they greatly resemble a juvenile speck in appearance and size. And uh, not only do they resemble specks, but gosh, just the way they act so much alike and the way they feed and the way they, the way they decoy, the way they work and respond to calling, man. It's so similar, isn't it, man? You know, you've seen it yourself. And I think, you know, it's amazing. So many guys that when, you know, they see our videos and Instagram and stuff and they're like, dude, you know, those are specs. You've got specs over them. Like, well, they're, they're actually pinks. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it can be a totally new thing for everybody. And I can see it. I mean, I've been over. I was obviously over in Arkansas back in February. And I mean, I'm almost sick of seeing specs now. But you, I absolutely see it every time. I'm like, damn, you know, they just are so similar. I mean, we don't have, you know, the specs like you guys obviously do over there. I mean, we get the odd ones that come through. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you: Have you ever have you ever seen one get uh, lose its course? Have you you guys ever shot one over there? We haven't. We've been lucky that we haven't. But I tell you, we there's a place that we have that is kind of more late season January, and which is funny because we used to see a ton of them. And, you know, they would uh, actually come probably almost religiously, like second week of January. And I remember the first time I was out hunting with some buddies, I I picked up this is a, a new farm of mine like years ago, just you know, recreationally, you know. And we were out for the first time, and I remember hearing these birds come in. I was like, "Well, hang on a minute, this this doesn't sound right." And I was a little like, different. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I was like, "Whoa!" They were mixed in with a group of pinks, and I was like, obviously, I knew they were, you know, they were. It was uh, you know, legal for us to shoot them. I was like, okay, no, no, <laughs> let's let this group pass, let them pass, and it was crazy that every year from there on in, it was the same time they would come in and, you know, we'd see a few hundreds and they'd hang around for like, uh, you know, a good couple months. And I guess before they moved on, but we then had like a, a new road development or something that basically tore up like a heap of farms in this area. And for some strange reason, I well, I guess it makes sense really, but they've they've never really come back um because i used to go to the area with clients and i would say right okay this is an area that sometimes we used to get specs in here so if i tell you guys you know do not shoot you know i mean oh so you're not allowed to shoot them i didn't realize that because you said thankfully you haven't shot any i didn't realize that oh so specs are completely off limits over there yeah okay i did not know that you can shoot them this is where it gets dumb you can actually hunt them in england but realistically that you mean where you know the numbers are i would say that compared i mean this this place up here where i was talking about and some other places there's like reasonable numbers that you probably could shoot some i would say that they don't differ you know too much from england either 
but the way the law dictates is that we can't hunt them in Scotland, but you can in England. But I mean, I have a couple of clients um, that they they hunt the you know the foreshore kind of like that public land I was telling you about, and they actually shot a couple last year. I mean, they were they looked beautiful. They were all barred up and looked really really nice, you know. Um, and it's and I have to say, I mean, they sent me some pictures. I was like, oh man, I'm 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 jealous in that one, you know. You know, but we unfortunately we we can't touch them. I guess I'm gonna have to, you know, either send you a video in January or whenever you're over here, you can you can uh, bring a video back and you know show it to your uh, government officials. Let them know they're doing just fine and shooting a couple. <laughs> of them's not gonna hurt. <laughs> so so having set waterfowl limits over here, you know, we kind of have a benchmark, so to speak, that most people try to reach, or what some would call a you know a good hunt. Hunting in a place like scotland where there are no set limits how do you determine the conclusion of a hunt if the pace is still red hot and you guys have been you know mowing all morning but still being mindful not to educate these birds too much yeah it's a good one i mean it's like a fine line i think because at the end of the day we you know we have, we focus on a few things and you know we want to make sure that our clients are having a great time uh when they're over here and it's obviously a big thing for a lot of guys because depending on where you come from you know limits is it's always comes up and you know guys don't always have the chance to you know go for a big shoot and just go all out and i mean we want our guys to enjoy it that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you've you know not shot you know the piss out of them you've not had a good hunt but I think at the same time, we're responsible for ensuring that we want all our guys that are coming to hunt with us to have a good time. And if that means, you know, thinking, well, hang on a minute, we've done three days and we've, you know, we've had a pretty good, you know, shoot so far. Maybe, you know, we can kind of, I guess, self-impose that, you know, say, guys, what do you think? You know, we, we maybe take a couple more groups and, you know, call a morning and then we focus on the ducks again at night or, you know, at the same time, maybe we've had like a, a slower hunt the day before. And I've said, well, guys, you know, we've got the opportunity, you know, just to just to keep going. I said, you know, as, as long as we're going to do our best to, you know, uh, you know, ensure that the hunts that are going to keep coming up, you know, in future dates, that, that we're not going to be affecting them, too, because we want to make sure that we're not pushing birds in such a way that we're, you know, making them leave the area. You want to manage them. Um, right. I mean, we have such big numbers as you've seen in the areas, which is, which is obviously awesome. But I mean, you want to make sure that you're doing your best so that you can, you know, make sure every team's having a good bit of hunting. Um, you know, and you know, we're, it's, it's trying to, you know, make sure that we kind of make it fit for, you know, everybody. And, you know, uh, we do, you know, absolutely make sure that all the birds are used so nothing's ever going to waste and that for me is the most important part of it i would say that you know i've got no problems with um you know shooting some good bags and we just make sure that the guys that you know i say look if you're taking it away i say guys you need to make sure that you can take all these birds with you you know or that you, you know that we're going to get the processing you know arranged right, and that, right. you know nothing can go to waste i mean that that's the way I see it, that if you're doing things sensibly, I see no harm in, you know, being able to, you know, shoot good bags. Because like I was saying with regards to, you know, the numbers is that I'm trying to be smart like this because I, I take a lot from what you guys do in the States and that 
we don't have people making the decisions on limits. I mean, we're a lot, it's, it's a funny one, you know, there's things we can do, there's things we can't do. Some of it doesn't add up. And I think with the numbers that we have, that even if all guides were going out and they were shooting like triple digits, um, you would honestly struggle to put a dent on the numbers. And, right. you know, I use snow geese as an example for that one when, when explaining that to some of the guys over here, because obviously people are like, well, hang, you know, you get mixed reactions. Some people don't like, you know, uh, guys going out and shooting big bags. And, you know, obviously social media has a big play in things of, right. you know, how, how, you know, yourself, how things play out and stuff. So I always try and do my best to make sure that we're kind of, we're looking after our guys and we're looking after the birds, but, you know, we find a way to kind of make it all work in. But the, I guess the benefit of not having limits, like I said, that if you've had a slow couple of days, you can, you can on maybe it might be your last day of the hunt, you know, and before right. you know it, you've gone from like, you might have had some, you know, decent 15s, 20s before you know sure. it, you shot like 70 or 80 within like 30 minutes. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it, at times it can kind of create a, you know, a weird dynamic when, you know, like you said, maybe clients had a less than spectacular hunt the day before and, you know, you kind of got the mindset, okay, well, we can make up for it a little bit today by burning them down pretty good, but just still having to, you know, consider your following clients coming to down. But it sounds like you've, you know, you've, you've found a way to properly manage that and just kind of gauge where you're at with your clients. So, you know, I guess just the, the joys of running an outfitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so moving forward some may not know this but i came and visited you in scotland a couple of years ago before dive bomb was traveling with the full media team yeah. at the extent that we do now and that trip is actually where i met nick costas in person for the first time and you know it was a perfect match our personalities ideas and approach aligned perfectly and you know the rest is is history uh, with with myself and Nick, but man, that was a great trip. We had so much fun. But the best part is we're coming back this fall, the first week of November, and yeah. we're bringing Forrest with us this time. Decent, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And you know, as 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 spectacular as the hunting is there outside of Aberdeen, what a lot of people don't understand is how unique the entire experience is by that. I mean, experience the Scottish culture, seeing castles that were built in the 11th and 12th centuries, dry stone walls that are like 3,500 years old. I mean, we're talking yeah. about freaking Sir William Wallace leading the Scots in a war of independence against, you know, King Edward of England, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, all things that were taking place well before, you know, Columbus pointed the Zell's, um, you know, West from Spain, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of nerding out right now, but, but man, this stuff is so cool. Like getting to shoot waterfowl in a place with so much history and how it all went down. It's just really neat. I, I guess I'm going to have to go back and find that, that shot call from that morning over that splash, <laughs> as you guys call it, sheet water to us. We, we absolutely wore them out. It was a triple digit day. And, um, you know, uh, Christian gave the the Braveheart freedom as the shot call. <laughs> oh man, I actually I totally forgot that as well. Eh? That is oh that was yeah that is see that's just places like that where you know it's 
like that's um you know an amazing little spot that again it's like just one of those things you have to you see it for yourself to experience it and just you know let it all come together i mean that's just one of those mornings there that just came together i mean it was it was yeah that was awesome um you know man. and we've got some pictures from that that um, that we posted at times that you've posted that nick took um that i'm sure a lot of you guys have seen that are just super super cool but this year um man i can't wait and going back to pink-footed geese you know we already kind of made the comparison to speckle bellies and, and many people probably don't even realize how we met is is you were running our v2 spec silhouettes and our s3 spec socks on the pinks over there in scotland with a mm-hmm. ton of success can you talk about how you were introduced to dive bomb decoys and what gave you the confidence to try our spec decoys on pink-footed geese yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I guess it's as always, you know, social media is such a big deal, um, you know, with everything. And I, I guess I, you know, I'd stumbled upon them and I mean, everything I do, I think over here is always looking for, you know, the next best thing that's going to be, you know, going to give me like the, the up against other guys. And I mean, uh, obviously we've been, you know, hunting over here for, for years and everything that comes over here, everything comes from the States. You know, and obviously I'd seen seen these and, you know, I was like, man, these look really good. I mean, we used to, which is kind of funny, we used to make like silhouettes and all the other stuff like like years ago. The kind of stuff that you would, you'd probably like laugh at it now and, and, you know, that kind of deal. But it was like to be able to see something that is, you know, just looks the biz. You're like, yeah, that's going to work over here. You just get an idea of what's going to work and what's not. And obviously I'd, I'd, I'd seen, you know, both the, you know, the, the S2s and S3s. And I was like, yeah, I need to add those to the spread. So, you know, we, we got in touch with, I mean, it seems like years ago now. Um, and I remember we had to get in touch, I guess, just through a, a DM like years ago to see if we could, you know, bur- you know, buy from you, because I mean, I, we were obviously the first to bring them over to the UK and Europe. And it was like a, a new deal. We had to, you know, call up and give you the card and stuff and you know all those things and i guess it was a chance you know that i was taking and it was one of those deals that i'm i'm so glad that i looked into it and made the call because you know i had my i had my ideas that these were going to be you know awesome and uh you know once we got them over to scotland it was like a it was january so i mean I, i just the way things worked out, you know, with shipping and, and, and so on back then. We got them for, I think it was just after New Year, and literally they were, you know, unboxed and, you know, in the field like the next day. And I still remember, in fact, you know, no, the funny thing is the first place we ever used them was actually in the same field, the big sheet water field where we had the big shoot. That, that right? was the very, yeah, man. The, literally that's the, such maybe. a cool spot man <laughs> please make sure that spot's primed up for us whenever we come <laughs> dude it God, that spot is so cool i know and the best bit is we're putting permanent blinds in there this year too wow man. so i mean that was the first spot we ever used them i remember my clients that morning you know we were up against the wall where nick you know we took the big photo up there but mm-hmm. we were you know just doing it scottish style up against the wall and you know, I, I I had the socks out that day and, you know, it was just, it was awesome because I guess for us that, 
I mean, everything that comes over from the States is a lot of other, you know, other bits and pieces, but some of the stuff, it just doesn't work or it doesn't live up to the, the, you know, the abuse it gets because I, I'm, I'll be the first to say that I'm pretty rough and all my gear, you know, my truck and decoys and blinds and everything. So it was one of those chances, I guess we'd taken and that, you know, it played out absolutely right that, I mean, from the get go that. I could tell that, you know, both the socks and the silhouettes were going to stand up, um, you know, for all the abuse that we're going to get over here. And it's been probably for me, like one of the best choices we made. I mean, it, I guess it's got to the point now where, I mean, I, I'm not even sure how big our spread is right now, but it's got to be one of, it has to be one of the biggest, you know, in Scotland, if not the UK, as it is alone, just because we've kept building. And I want that to be even bigger just for the style of hunting that obviously we do. Um, but it's obviously gone on and it's, a, you know, other guides have seen what we're running. And I, you know, I've seen on their, you know, social media posts that they're now running dive bombs and stuff. And, you know, we take a lot of credit for that seeing that, you know, guys have obviously gone, Oh, wow. Okay. Those are, those are, obviously right. <laughs> you know, definitely, man. Yeah. That's, it's definitely going to get bigger this fall. How, how do you, think running huge dive bomb spreads has changed the game for you and helped make Aberdeen Wild Wings more successful? Um, I, I guess from my point of view, it allows us to, you know, hunt in, uh, in different ways that I guess other guys, they either, they don't want to, or they, they don't know how, or that, you know, that I, they don't have the balls to go out and, you know, do it because I mean, there's a lot of work that's involved. I mean, I'm, I'm a one man, you know, show and, I'm very lucky that I've got, you know, a good, a good group of guys that help me out. Some of my buddies and stuff, and they'll come and help, you know, set spreads and, you know, help me feed and stuff. And other times it's, you know, setting spreads myself. And sometimes obviously clients will help out too. But I mean, it's a lot of getting up, you know, between half two, three o'clock in the morning and I'm going out and setting these. And for me, it's about making sure that, you know, I want to deliver the best for my guys and that, you know, I'm not scared of the, the hard work. And, you know, when you're putting together these spreads that obviously, you know, where guys before would tend to hunt from the, you know, a field edge, you know, I guess like, like an A-frame. I mean, we, the Scottish over here, what we've always built is we, we used to have, you know, blinds that we built with hide poles, nets, kind of like what you guys did with me before and you have to brush mm -hmm. it. It's, you know, it can be a bit of a, a pain, but I guess for me, I've always loved, using i've used to use layout blinds you know obviously all the time but the moment you start hunting in a massive spread you know we've started to become you know invisible to an extent and it's put us just where the birds want to be because it's not the kind of hunting that's been done over here in the years you know guys have been like well that's what we do you know so that's what we're gonna do you know and that, that's why i wanted to set myself up and be different and i guess by running these bigger dive bomb spreads, it's let me, it's absolutely let me do that. I mean, guys come over and, you know, that have hunted for years with other people and said, look, I've never had a goose try and land on my face like that before, you know? And it's doing that by like being it in the spread, like properly, um, you know, it has, it's, it's given me the advantage to hunt places where you necessarily before wouldn't have been able to hunt because your only cover was in a certain place. Don't get me wrong. Obviously the right situations have to be for it. And I think that's where over time we've now used to run layout blinds in, 
in the spread now you know last year um i i got a ton of the uh ghost blinds and we've been running the backboards last season and again that was just an mm-hmm. absolute game changer and i think for me this year to be able to get on the tall boys that's what i'm talking about it's gonna be <laughs> amazing i was gonna ask you about yeah. that like how excited are you about hunting under the tall s5 specs this season dude if you had the camera on and you could see my face right now you would be like yeah <laughs> he is super pun- i Honestly, it's all, it's the, it's probably one of the few things that's keeping me going right now, knowing, I mean, like I said, I like to plan in advance and to know that we're going to be able to run these this season is like, I remember saying that to you probably maybe like, I don't know, a year or two ago now. I was like, dude, I do, did you ever think about doing that? And I remember you were like, right. there wasn't quite demand and stuff. And I just knew immediately, I was like, cause obviously I mean, you've seen it yourself. Some of the places we have to hide, it's right. You know, Tough hide, yeah, yeah, it is. And you know, again, I mean, I, I listened to what you said, and we we went and bought again. You know, the panel blinds they were a game changer for edge hides, um, which was great. But then on the backboards, I mean, immediately, you know, you're taking blinds out of the equation. We were running uh, ghillie suits last year, which was mm-hmm. also really good. Awesome, man! Yeah. But this year, we're just we. I've picked. I've managed to find some good suppliers for like really good uh, color match for like mi- like. I guess they're they're not really a ghillie blanket, but we've kind of made them into like ghillie blankets that are going to be, mm-hmm. you know, perfect for either hunting in you know grass or like pasture i guess you would call it you know like right. uh or you know our stubble fields too so now i've got like i've got the perfect mix you know for that so combined with you know these these tall boys it's gonna be it's gonna be insane man i can't wait you know that it's just the growing popularity of, of hunting spec i mean specs have always been a popular bird over here but the the growing numbers and the growing popularity in specs um, you know, has just led to not only more and more people hunting them, but after they've seen the success of hunting Canada's and snows out of the spread, they're like, man, we, we need specs to hunt out of the spread. You know, we want to hunt specs out of the spread. And, you know, you can obviously hunt specs out of the spread under the Canada's. We've killed a ton of specs from inside the spread, but just the thought of running a huge spec spread hiding in the inside of S5 specs and just having massive spins of speckle bellies coming down on top of you is just, it'll keep you awake at night. So I've, you know, I've been thinking about these, these massive droves of migrating pink since our trip two years ago, but the thought of laying on a backboard underneath, you know, a monster spin of those things has me, has me so fired up and kind of going back to like spread size, we were talking about, you know, and how it's, you know, how it's helped you, be more successful is you know i try to tell people i'm like it doesn't always take a monster spread to kill birds but i'm telling you i'm telling you down to the t is that larger spreads let you get away with more mistakes and that is absolutely a hundred percent true no doubt in my mind no argument larger spreads let you get away with things that you can't get away with in small spreads i mean it's just it's the way it is, especially outfitters that are that are running clients. You can talk to any proven outfitter, and every single one of them, they'll tell you the same thing because we talk to them. We talk to all of them. Um, I'm on a very friendly basis with probably over a hundred of them uh, that run our stuff day in and day out. When you start hearing a common theme, 
it's just the way it is, you know. So hunting over small spreads absolutely can do it 100%. You just have to be a little bit more tidy, a little bit more dialed. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. Now, I've got to ask you, um, you know, you hunted in shorts like the whole time we were with you last year. And or, sorry, not last year, two years ago. But it was like, I don't know, it was it was cold and drizzly. I'd say probably somewhere in between that like 30 and 45 degree range. I know you guys are off of Celsius, but are you still are you still going to be hunting in the shorts when it's like freezing outside dude always that is like the funniest thing because oh gosh. you got you you guys know me enough now like you ask any of my clients you like see the foot like the all the comments and stuff and like facebook and instagram they're like yep he's wearing a shorts again you know this is like even when i'm over like in arkansas or south dakota or wherever i might be i i honestly it's one of those things that i'll always wear them and if it's really cold and you start to see me like putting on a pair of bibs or something, that's when you know it's going to be super cold. <laughs> <laughs> Your blood, it must be like thicker than honey or something. It I must, don't know. It might. There was one day like out there, it was windy and it was freaking cold. We were on a hillside. And oh, yeah. Like, I'm looking at my dad. I'm like, this dude's wearing shorts right now. Like, I'm such a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, man. You know, it, it's just so cool, man. Like, like, the relationships that that we've forged all over the world through this company like before we got on here you and me we were talking about how you and hunter morrow from new zealand you met in arkansas this spring and i'm like that's pretty funny like we got a scottish dude and a, a guy from new zealand and it somehow you meet at a, a freaking bar in like stuttgart arkansas or something you know east arkansas it's like this is it's so funny you know i've been talking to a guy uh in Sedan the past week or so about, you know, waterfowl hunting over there and how, how they do things. It's just so cool. It sucks. Our, our trip to Argentina for next month, it got canceled due to them, you know, banning all the commercial flights until September one, but man, we have got a full slate this fall and, you know, I'm, I'm praying everything will be back to normal before September so we can resume as usual. But man, I absolutely cannot wait to get back over there. Man, we can't honestly. We can't wait to you know have you over. We've got you, uh, you guys dialed in with a really good team like of regulars of ours too, and you know they're really pumped to have you guys too. It's I was like, yeah, you're gonna be you know joining another team that you just kind of might know about you know over in the states because again, I mean we actually you know had them over. I think it was two years ago too. And I think just before you guys came over and we were, it was the first time they'd been hunting over your decoys, uh, even though they, they'd obviously heard about them too. And mm -hmm. we, again, we, you know, we absolutely shot the piss at them, you know, that week. And they were like, man, when we get back to the States, we're going to have to order up some of our own, <laughs> you know? Um, it's just such a small world. I think, you know, with all of this it's crazy, the waterfowling circle, especially, uh, the way that social media has helped ever, everybody be able to connect is it's just really cool to be able to, you know, to see how other waterfowlers do things in different parts of the world, you know, and we're honored, you know, to be a, you know, a small part of that. And, um, you know, man, I, I, I greatly appreciate you, you know, taking your time to join me today. We've got a six hour time different so I, I i really really appreciate your flexibility you uh before i let you go we 
we've been running, you know, about, about at the target time range. Do you, uh, you know, anything else you want to add or, 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 uh, tell the listeners? I don't know. I mean, I think we've, you know, covered a ton of stuff, but I mean, I just say that, I mean, we're obviously really looking forward to having you guys over again. It's, I can't believe it's been, you know, it's been two years, you know, already, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, for us, it's definitely, it's going to be a highlight for us and obviously, you know, the guys are going to be joining. So, I mean, we've, we've certainly been putting the groundwork in already and, you know, for us this year, it's uh we're we're obviously with everything that's going on i mean it's been a, it's been tough for everyone across the world obviously so i mean from from our point of view that you know we're focused on making sure that this is going to be you know hopefully one of our best years you know to date so uh we're 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 more than ready for this man awesome man well we appreciate you and 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 uh just helping us spread the word not only you know through social media but but over there in the uk and uh once again appreciate you joining me i'll uh i'll catch up with you soon mate yeah honestly a pleasure thank you much for having us buddy you guys stay safe and you know we'll see you across the pond okay man see ya take it easy brother honestly i i don't even feel like we hardly scratch the surface but i'm not sure even with 10 hours we could cover the awesomeness of Scottish waterfowling. You guys can find Aberdeen Wild Wings on Instagram at Aberdeen underscore wild underscore wings underscore Scotland and on Facebook at Aberdeen Wild Wings. As always, don't forget to follow Dive Bomb on all of our social media platforms. If you aren't already, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, uh, we're uploading a new Field Facts with Forrest. Uh, video every two weeks and we have some huge things coming to the youtube channel this fall so make sure you get over there and subscribe so you don't miss any of it thanks a ton for giving us a listen take care of yourselves and your families y'all be good thank you for listening to the dive bomb squadcast